This is the Accidental Safety Pro live at the 2019 National Safety Congress and Expo in sunny San Diego. My name is Jill James, Vivid's Chief Safety Officer, and today I'm joined by JC Good and Steve Johnson, road safety advocates with and founders of Hang Up and Drive. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. So, Hang Up and Drive, how did that get its start? Oh, what boy. does it mean? That's, that's you. You start us off. When I was driving home from my college graduation with my parents 11 years ago, a driver talking on his cell phone, speakerphone, he thinks he's doing everything right, his hands are on the wheel, gets to a red light, and he stops. He was looking out the windshield, but then was so distracted by this cell phone conversation, he turned left through the red light. As a result, an 18-wheeler swerved trying to miss him and unfortunately hit my family's car. Hmm. Um, both of my parents were killed on impact. I wasn't breathing. A coincidence of a paramedic living nearby a hospital right down the road, keeping me alive and helping me to fight through months of surgeries and rehabilitation hmm. and getting my life back. Hmm. Thus, hang up and drive. Hang up and drive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the short version of how we got to found hang up and drive is yeah. um, after the crash, I guess we should establish that we were a couple um, from the very beginning of freshman year of college. So this is now graduation day, and we, you know, we have life planned. Right. So not only are you forward. founders of this business, but you were a couple uh, before. Before what happened to your family, Jason. Yeah, so um, as she slowly healed over months and really years, but especially those first critical months, um, she just wanted to do something about distracted driving. You know, this was the thing that caused this horrible uh, event. Yeah, Yeah. tragedy. I don't know the word to use sometimes. but um, And she tried to get laws passed in Pennsylvania where this happened. Hmm. And that just got her name out there, and she kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And mm-hmm. um, the big turning point was JC was wearing a sign on her back. You want to talk about that quick? I was 21 years old, and I walked with a cane, and I had half my body not really working. And people would stare at me, like in a really uncomfortable kind of way. People would stop me and say, what happened to you? Or mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? So um. I was like, Okay. Humanity. So interesting. <laughs> so I, would, I couldn't keep it short. It was I had to tell them someone on a cell phone did this to me. Yeah. And I kind of got sick of answering the questions yeah. and thought it was just as easy to put it on my back. So what did the sign on your back say? My handicaps were caused by a driver on his cell phone. The other two people in the car were killed. Please hang up and drive. Hmm. So that got yeah. some local media attention around yeah. where we were then living with my parents, um, which happened about six months after she was out of the hospital. We moved because we kind of needed that support. Um, mm-hmm. So it got local New York media attention, and it built and built and built, and eventually she was on the Oprah Winfrey show. <laughs> and after that, we realized maybe giving speaking engagements, presentations, yeah. was uh, a, a way we could really make change just change people's behaviors instead of changing the laws Mm -hmm. um and so that's when we thought of hang up and drive and Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. 2010 Mm -hmm. and that ball has been rolling ever Mm -hmm. since and to be fair we didn't really think of 
hang up and drive. My dad had a bumper sticker that said hang up no and drive. No way. Wow. From before, you know, everyone on a cell phone, my dad always taught me driving is dangerous. You got to pay attention. Yeah. Don't be on your phone. Back in the days when phones were nothing, you know. Right, right. Hang up and drive. So yeah. the inspiration came from your dad. Yeah. How wonderful is that? So, JC, when you, you're recovering, at what point did you get this drive? Was it, like, immediate? Like, I've got to be an advocate? Or when did, what stirred in you to say, I really have to do this? And you and Steve came together and said, okay, we're going to make this happen. I think the first inspiration was the fact that, that no one was punished. Two people broke laws from running a red light and swerving to the wrong side of the road, as this tractor trailer did. Um, But because there were no laws about cell phones and driving in Pennsylvania at the time, the district attorney determined that no one was responsible for killing my parents. And that kind of didn't add up to me. And so I first started trying to get a law passed. That got my name out. And then it was your high school, right? was the very first place we spoke, just neighbors talking to neighbors hmm. got us into his high school, and it was really, hmm. it felt good. It yeah. was terrifying, because yeah. public speaking is terrifying. Uh-huh. It, was, uh-huh. it was a scary first endeavor, but we got through it and felt really, really good afterwards yeah. and knew we, we could put our lives into this. Into yeah, it was just us reading off of note cards, basically. And the two of you did it together the first time at yeah, your high right school, Steve? Bat. Yeah, At that point, it was in part because I was still so injured physically and emotionally. I really was not able to talk about it sure. on my own for the length of a high school class period. Yeah. So, yeah. And beyond that, there were three months of my life that I couldn't remember mm-hmm. in that hospital mm-hmm. where Steve was there by my side and could he was the memory. fill in those yeah. memories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you had said you were on your way to college graduation, right? Did you both graduate at the same time? Same day. Same day. So what were your degrees? My degree was in international studies and German studies. I had two two majors. Um, Mm -hmm. My job was with Habitat for Humanity. Hmm. I would live in New York City. I would learn how to build houses. I'd be part of kind of like the environmental... You know, making sure there's nothing terrible in these houses that's going to harm the people moving into them or harm our environment in the in the process. It was through the organization AmeriCorps. Yeah. So I think, am I remembering right? It was I would earn eleven thousand dollars for the whole year of living in New York City, learning how to. There was no housing stipend either. I think it was that was that was it. So basically, you would have had two more jobs at least. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, what about you, Steve? What was your... I was a, about was, as far opposite as you can get. I, uh, my two majors were business or international business and finance. Mm-hmm. And I had a job lined up for after graduation at a bank that was sort of near where I lived. So I could live with my parents in New York, save money. This bank was in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of at least... The plan, you mm-hmm. know, she was going to be in Brooklyn for at least a year mm-hmm. and I was an hour away or so and we mm-hmm. could see each other on the weekends and, mm-hmm. you know, we certainly you would, knew. You would propose, right? Well, you know, <laughs> there's rules. I guess. No, yeah. You know, we certainly had talked about that stuff. We, we, sure. There were no hard plans, but yeah. um, we certainly expected to stay a couple yeah. and to figure it out in the real world after, yeah. you know, a college campus is very much a bubble. Yep. And we made it work there. Yeah. Um, 
so we were ready for that. And then, you know, it's it's part of why our story, her story, but it, I guess it's our yeah, story, yeah. is so awful is because this crash was on the way home from college graduation. That's one of the things that gets media attention, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's true that that's horrible. But it also put us in a place where we just didn't start those jobs, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, we just, I could be in the hospital every single day for four months with her. Right. And we didn't have to, we just called these companies and said, I'm sorry, this happened. They obviously were okay yeah. that we were not going to be working for them. And yeah. um, it, it put us in a position where we could focus on different things that mm-hmm. were more important of course. at that time. Yes, yes, of course. Wow, what a way to... What a way to start graduation. I mean, just like the mechanics of it. You didn't have really have that first job, so how did you have health insurance? You know, I mean, we, right? I mean, that's a thing. Incredible story. Um, right? It was 2008, so my dad could not insure me unless I was a student. So my insurance ended graduation day, day. day. Yeah. My dad called me. A month before graduation yeah. and said, it's a month before your job starts in July after you graduate. Do you want me to buy you health insurance for that month just in case anything happens? Yeah. And I said, I'm healthy. I'll be fine. You said what every college... Don't right. worry about right. it. Right. Uh-huh. Thank everything in the universe. My dad did not listen to me. Mm-hmm. My dad bought that health insurance mm-hmm. and... The policy started the day the of day. the crash. Saved us a lifetime of, of debt. Right. We were told that that first hospital, she was in the hospital, regular hospital for mm-hmm. two months. Mm-hmm. One of those is ICU and one of them was a regular care floor. Mm-hmm. They, we were told that that would have been $2 million. Yeah. And then the rehab hospital for another two months would have been a million dollars. So that's just, that's Jay Good looking down on us yeah. from heaven. Wow. Um, wow. And I was still on my parents' insurance. I forget. My mom, my mom had a, a company or a plan, whatever it was, that yeah. I was allowed to stay on. Yeah. And then when Obamacare finally happened, maybe that was 2010, a couple of years after, mm-hmm. her company could insure me until I was 30. And I'm only 33. So I was on my mom's insurance until I was yeah. 30, which was great. Yeah. Thank, you know, thank goodness. Right. Now, I, because we're self-employed, mm-hmm. I'm on, what is it, the, the exchange, whatever you want to call it, right. NewYorkStateOfHealth.com yeah, yeah, that yeah. I go to, uh-huh. org. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, it's expensive. Right. Yes, <laughs> I, hate it. I hate it. Yes, it but is. it matters. It does matter. I mean, and this is real life stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, here you are about to set your life out. I mean, everyone who's graduating from college and is looking for, you know, thinking about all those things, their biggest decision is, does the company have health insurance and which plan should I take and yeah. what's a premium and figuring it out. And you're like, this is all dumped on you. A whole life restart, yeah. um, including all of those things. So as you've been doing this business together for now how many years mm. nine i mean we've been giving speeches since our yeah. first six speeches were in 2010 wow um yeah. Yeah. We maybe actually incorporated end of 2011, 2011. something like that yeah. yeah yeah so i'm curious have you used those college degrees have you delivered your uh what you talk about in german <laughs> <laughs> not yet okay <laughs> Um, have I used my college degree? Yeah. I wouldn't say specifically, yeah. but because we went to a liberals arts college, I Yay. know so much of what I use in right. creating and presenting came yeah. from the classes sure. and the skills I learned yeah. in 
classes that maybe aren't related to public speaking or driver safety. Yeah, yeah. And did that finance degree come in handy as a founder of a business? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I sort of would echo what she said. I, I feel the just the general growth of having gone through college and, yeah. and all that means is more what makes me the adult that I am now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you guys kind of had a fast on-ramp to adulting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with regard to um, being road safety advocates and some of the things that you're talking about now, I know you have some particular um, uh, big points that you're trying to share with audiences when you're speaking with them now. And I I know one of them has to do with cognitive demands on the brain. Can you speak more to what that is and what kind of message you want people to know about? Yeah, I mean, anything that sounds like a distraction is a distraction. Distraction has existed since cars were invented. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we have more people dying on our roads than have died in the last many decades because why? The thing that's changed is that we all have a computer in our pocket and we're being urged to use them because it's built into the car and we're told it's safe. But you look at the science, you look at what the National Safety Council has been collecting for decades, Mm -hmm. we know there's no improvement in our ability to drive safely if a phone's in our hand or it's coming through the speakers. Um, Stick shift car isn't making us crash. You know, one hand on the wheel is Mm -hmm. generally okay. Mm -hmm. But you talk about what goes on in our brains, and Mm -hmm. we can't do it all. Mm -hmm. It's one of the big things. We're maybe the biggest, at least science part of what we're trying to get across to our audiences, is that um, we've just kind of been misled to believe that Bluetooth is the solution factually and they've looked at this a million times there's so many studies we, we can point to um, you're only 0.5% safer using Bluetooth versus holding the phone wow. so in either of those situations a person is four times more likely to crash than if you were just paying attention and driving mm-hmm. um, that's the same as driving at the 0.08 blood alcohol content so you see somebody talking on the phone which we all see every time we're in the car mm-hmm. even if it's on Bluetooth that person is essentially driving at the legally drunk limit. You know, this is a, a pretty good buzzed driver. Yeah. Um, and when you look around the world, there's a, there's a lot of countries that they've been on top of this. And the science has been there, as JC said, for a long time. Um, I think maybe here it's just being suppressed. Maybe there's lobbyists involved. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of money where they're selling us Bluetooth devices. So they're, laws are you know, different in different countries. There are places we yeah, meet talk about that. people. Um, so, like, within our country, it's state by state, and it really varies. There are still states in this country that have no regulation regarding cell phones and driving, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but you start to look around the country, or around the world. What do, what do we know? We met a man from Singamore, Singapore mm-hmm. who was just talking about the enforcement that you know if you use your phone in any capacity, you will ticketed you will be fine Mm -hmm. and that includes bluetooth like it it is illegal to use even bluetooth in singapore and he said people Mm -hmm. obey that law because it's very strictly enforced Hmm. what else Um, you're better at this part well i think japan is another one portugal we know is one um and more and more countries are moving in that direction i think Mm -hmm. maybe sweden is moving that way too oh and the uk Um, the uk is falling apart with brexit right now but they're also moving to get a complete handheld and hands-free ban for all drivers it's just it's less politically toxic 
because they're paying there attention than to it is the, here. They're for, they're listening to the science. Yeah. 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 Um, there are some countries where they treat it like drunk driving. You could actually be arrested for using your phone behind the mm-hmm. wheel. Within mm-hmm. our country, I want to say there's 35-ish states. There's a bunch of states that outlaw everything if you're under 18 or mm-hmm. under 21 mm-hmm. for young drivers. Yeah. Which it's a step in the right direction, but it feels like if we're protecting our young people in that way, yeah. why doesn't that apply to me? Too? Right, right, right. Absolutely. Hmm. Fascinating. Thanks for sharing that piece on the research. I think that'll be, I bet people's eyes kind of open up to that yeah. when you give that statistic on point, point what'd you say, 0. 0.5%? 0.5% better? is the only difference yeah. Yeah. you're making by using Bluetooth. It's the one thing you can guarantee after every one of our corporate events an adult is going to walk up, us, up to us and say, I had no idea, and yeah. you've changed my mind. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot is. of research with MRI scans looking at where the activity in our brain mm-hmm. is happening. Mm-hmm. That, like, we need our brains to drive a car, mm-hmm. whether we pay attention to that or not. Mm-hmm. Then you add in another task, talking mm-hmm. about the idea of multitasking, yes. which scientists say our brains can't do. do. Mm-hmm. When we do two things at once, our brain hops back and forth between those two things talking on the phone trying to drive a car uh, it's almost 40 percent less activity in your brain associated with the road so you basically become blind to things that are right in front of you so something else that it gets under it sounds like your skin and under um, well many safety professionals skin is we don't like to use the word accident and many of us don't believe in accidents. This podcast is called The Accidental Safety Pro, which that accidental piece is intended to be a pun by way of how you found your way into this industry, uh, which, you know, applies to you as well. With an, yeah, with an actual event that happened. But, yeah, talk about, talk about um, why you don't like to use the word accident and what you're using in its place. For me, what happened to me wasn't an accident. Someone made the choice to use his phone and drive. Yeah. And that choice led to the death of two people. Um, I didn't use my phone when I drove because my parents taught me not to. They Mm -hmm. taught me it was dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I think looking at the way we talk about it, if you call it an accident, all of a sudden... No one's responsible. Yeah. Again, there's no accountability. We're yeah. not responsible for our own actions. And so I think if we say we use crash most of the time yeah. in place of it, yeah. collision, mm-hmm. wreck, even, I guess mm-hmm. maybe if you talk to, like, in the safety industry, they say a wreck applies to a boat, I want to say. But I still. Oh, right. Yeah, I think you're. Yeah, okay. We used, she used the word wreck in a presentation and afterwards. A real grammar stickler came up oh. and said, "You know, there's always, wreck is really only for boats." There's always um, one in like every I don't know five audiences yeah. or something. <laughs> we can um, track that. Yeah. But huh. it's just not you know it's it's not a whoopsie situation. Yes, yeah, right. You know, statistically, they say ninety four percent of all crashes are, are caused by some form of human error. You know, it's the, it's choices. It's choices to drive too fast or to drink or to use drugs or to use your phone, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, we're responsible. Humans need to take. And, you know, you hear it on the radio. You're listening to the traffic report, and there's an accident here, there's an accident there, and it just starts to feel like there's no blame to be put out yeah. in the world. And I, I just think it's, it's, it's unfair to do that. I think we need to use the word crash. Yeah. And I think you can read a little bit of the history and look back in automotive history and 
cars were killing people mm -hmm. and people were scared of the automotive industry and they didn't want cars. So the automotive industry said, oh, it's not a car crash. It's an accident. And all of a sudden they're not responsible. We're not responsible. Yeah. And so there was a whole movement by the industry to kind of change the wow. way we talk about it. Yeah. Back in the way back machine? Way back, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's that's fascinating. So it's a choice that people make, agree completely, and there's a ripple effect with choices that people make. How do you share what that is? Because, you know, audiences are listening, and, you know, you, you, as you said, people say, you know, what happened to you? What's wrong with you? Why are you like that? That's just this immediate thing, but there's so much more as we're starting to hear from both of your stories together, talk about how do you share this ripple effect? Yeah, I mean, and what the fact, that means. The, the fact that we're up to up there together, that Steve is such a big part of this ripple and his entire wow. family and people I had never even met up to that point who were so deeply impacted. Yeah. But talking about it, you know, I show a photo of my family together. Yeah. And then think of all the people connected. Think of all the people who care about you who might be impacted if something happened to you. And yeah. From my brother planning funerals or my mom being the beloved eighth grade English teacher. Mm -hmm. Next day is Monday. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Good has 314-year-olds coming to the middle school. Mm -hmm. That face isn't there. And how many hundreds of her students and her fellow teachers who are her best friends have to go on and get through the rest of that school year. And how many lives are impacted. Yeah by a tragedy like this. Right? It goes back yeah. to our very first presentation. We were trying to figure out, you know, we were asked to speak at my high school and we yeah. agreed, even though we were kind of terrified of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess we approached it as a college-like uh, assignment because that's all we knew. So yeah. we were like, what's our like thesis? What's our real big idea? Yeah. And we thought of the ripple effect and we made a note card of all the people. You know, we, were, we listed names and then there's husbands and wives of those people and then there's children. And then there was all the coworkers, and we had mm -hmm. we were we, we were holding this list that we believed had over a thousand names. We didn't have names because there's all these students of her mom, et cetera. But right. you know, we figured it's at least a thousand people yeah. impacted by this one this one crash on one day. Yeah. But that's just one crash, mm -hmm. right? And there's all these crashes every single day. Mm -hmm. So in the presentation. It's tough to use numbers on this issue because we, we know it's underreported. We don't have right. the real numbers of deaths for, for cell phone use. Um, so we use like a middle-ish number, which is 15 deaths a day. Mm -hmm. We know the injuries are around 1,100 people a day, and we mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit. But then we like to bring it back around at the end of the presentation to... But like that person yeah. has a loved one. And, yeah. you know, we have these faces on the screen. We know some of these people, and... You know, that girl's dad mm -hmm. told her a million times that we don't text and drive, but mm -hmm. she she was texting, and mm -hmm. she went over the double yellow line, and she got killed. And now there's a father who has to live forever yeah. thinking, maybe I could have done more. And we started thinking yeah. about that. And, you know, so it's not 15 deaths and 1,100 injuries. It's 15 deaths, 1,100 injuries, and everybody who cares yeah. about those people. Right. So if people don't change the way they drive, yeah. at some point we're all going to be impacted by yeah. something like this because of that ripple effect. Yeah, I mean, and in your case, ripple effect can even be so much as, you know, AmeriCorps and what you're going to do with Habitat for Humanity didn't get to experience your gift. And the job that you had agreed to do, same thing. I mean, it just, it spreads so far, mm -hmm. so far. 
Hmm. And so my call to action is yeah. always, instead of starting one of these ripples of pain, yeah. being involved in that somehow, what if you did the opposite? Yeah. What if when you sat down in the car, you're like, all right, I'm going to be nice today. Yeah. I'm going to let people merge. <laughs> I'm going to go with the speed limit. I'm going to put my seatbelt on. I'm uh-huh. going to do all these things uh-huh. that we all know we should do. Yeah. yeah. But Different ripple. Yeah. 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 And I got to say, we've spoken over a thousand different places. We hear stories every single place we go because people are being impacted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said thousands of places you've spoken all over the world? Three countries. Three, oh, <laughs> just three countries. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so we, what is it? I think our 40th 40th state will be next month with our yeah, first Vermont up, Coming up on Vermont speech. for state number 40. And then some Canada events and some European stuff, uh-huh. just in the, the Netherlands, yeah. So you talked about that first speaking event at your high school, and you approached it like, you know, you had your thesis statement, and this is like an assignment we're going to go through. How did what you do together as a couple presentation-wise, how did that evolve for you? Did you... Did, did you figure out and, like, practice something? Did you hone it? Like, what was that piece like for you? I mean, I think it changes every single time we do really? it. Um, just based on who the audience is. Okay. After that first speech, we went, we got trained by the National Safety Council. We've done a whole lot of webinars and learned everything we can learn about this issue so that sure. our data is always as up to date as it can possibly be yeah and you know speaking to a room full you know uh, all girls high school is a little different than speaking to a room full of truck drivers for the local grocery store you know and just figure out what Uh to play on to get people's emotions really wrapped up in this Mm -hmm. to try Mm -hmm. and inspire a change Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. you know we knew we wanted to do it together well there was no choice uh, really she not just physically, but her brain took a long time to get back to the person she is now, which is yeah. essentially the person she was before, but it took a really long time. Yeah. Um, short-term memory especially was, was bad back then, so we knew she couldn't do this all on her own, yeah. um, so we broke it up. And back in the day, those early couple of years, I did a higher percentage of the speaking than she did, even mm-hmm. though she's sort of the quote-unquote star of the show. Yeah. Um, and then as she kind of came back and got more uh not more confident she was always confident just just got better got, you know? my, got my voice back yeah mm-hmm. um then we shifted some of what i was talking about back to her mm-hmm. and uh you know i'd say now the split is maybe 60 40 something like that in her favor mm-hmm. um but we're, yeah as she said we're always tweaking we, we're always trying to be mm-hmm. better um adding new research as new research comes out mm-hmm. yeah and we now incorporate you know, JC was in an AT&T PSA that came out, was now three August yeah. ago, three years ago. Yeah, wow. Um, and that went viral. That had over 300 million views on social media. So we started, we didn't use it for the first 12 months plus probably, but now that that's in every presentation mm-hmm. and we get, you know, we got immediate great feedback and regretted not having used it for the the, the uh, 12 months that we didn't use it. But, uh-huh. you know, whenever we find something that works, yeah. we stick with it. Yeah. Even just stupid jokes, you yeah. know. We're always trying to keep it as light as we can because it's a very heavy subject. Right. So I was wondering, you know, to tell... So you're citing statistics, but you're telling such a personal, personal story. How do you keep your energy... What do you do to get yourself ready to do that, to tell that personal story? 
how do you recover afterward? Like, what's that like for you both to do? For me, it's yeah. always emotionally draining. It's yeah. difficult to tell. Yeah. You're better at, I guess I've gotten better. It's kind of compartmentalizing. Yeah. That you can say, this is a story, and on one part of your brain, you know it's about you, but on the other part, yeah. you're you're teaching a lesson yeah and you can focus on that that you're teaching a lesson Mm -hmm. for me the inspiration comes from the people that I get to talk to Hmm. afterwards who say this changed me I Mm -hmm. shared this with my wife with Mm -hmm. my daughter Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe the other part is that summers are really quiet for us that we mostly speak in high schools at this point okay and so over the summer it is time in nature it's being on a lake in New Hampshire and stop checking the news feeds and don't read all the articles about cell phones because you just got to be able to turn it off sometimes ground yourself and recharge yeah yeah it's funny and a lot of caffeine also (laughs) (laughs) i think um there are days when it hits harder you know yeah we find ourselves speaking on the anniversary of the crash a lot of the time Mm. because the crash was May 18th and a lot of high schools want us before graduation or before prom, so we're we're speaking a lot on that day or her parents' birthdays, just things like that. Yeah. Um, Where I'm looking at the photo on on our PowerPoint and I'm like, wow. that's today. That's that's JC's car. Like, JC was in that car. She came out of that car. Yeah. And then it hits a little harder. Yeah. Um, Hmm. But, you know, we have done it over a thousand times and... Hmm. So there is a natural numbing, I guess, to it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the focus on we can accomplish something important right now if yeah. we give this speech well yeah. is maybe the, the real key. Yeah, yeah. So what's it like being uh, <laughs> colleagues and <laughs> and par- life partners? <laughs> and how does that work for you? I mean, it sounds like you probably spend a lot of time in... Lots of modes of transportation, small quarters, hotel rooms. Yeah, how's that work for your relationship? We're, we're lucky we get along. No, you still true. like each other. Yeah. I mean, it's in the early days, it was hard. And yeah. we'd find, like, oh, we're bickering a lot. Oh, yeah. we need a little time apart. Yeah. And so... How do you make space for that in your relationship? You know yeah. what we do? Yeah, we, get two, we get two beds in almost every hotel room we travel for, yeah. you know? We sleep together at home like a normal married couple, whatever. Yeah. Is it normal? Do married couples sleep together? Well, I know they do, but like so many. Apparently, it's a, there's a high percentage that don't. Yeah, right, because anyway. there's the whole snoring thing. I know. My, my, my dad was in the ca- on the couch like my entire life because of his horrible snoring. Um, we started getting separate beds, which just, it, it's nice. You just feel like even in a hotel room space. that has not a suite, you just yeah. have a room. Yeah. You just have your own little space. Yeah. Um, and... We yeah. are traveling a lot, you know. She but puts up with my sure, podcasts on the, in, in the car. <laughs> we make sure when we're traveling for work, it's almost never only work. So you get a little bit of fun when you're in yeah. San Diego and you can walk down the Balboa Park and yeah. have fun together and not mm-hmm. just be mm-hmm. work colleagues. Crushing it at yeah. work, yeah. yeah. I think we try to think of every every trip as a potential mini vacation. Yeah. Um, we're here in San Diego now. And we've had some fun, and we will have a little bit left before we leave tomorrow. Yeah. Our next trip, you know, our next flight trip at least, is later this month we're going to be speaking in Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But her friend lives in Nashville, and so we're going to mm. spend three extra nights with her friend, nice. just a mini vacation there. So. Taking some music. Yeah. Yeah. We do that stuff literally every time we possibly can. With um, purpose. I do that when I travel as well. I'm, I'm like... 
I'm not just going to go back and forth from the work to the hotel to have a meal and back to the hotel again. I'm in a I'm in a place. Regardless of where it is, there's got to be something I've not seen before, something to experience, something to to fill you up or a place to recharge. Yep. Yeah. This girl is good at at TripAdvisor and <laughs> things like that. She she finds uh-huh. the best parks you've never heard of and and cool stuff to do. And she, I'm always. A little unwilling to do it, and I say yes because I have to. (laughs) And then you're happy you did? And then I'm always happy you did. (laughs) So you're the itinerary planner as well, JC, and the fun fun finder. Yeah. So balance-wise, introvert, extrovert, are you... Are you both the same or one or the other? I never know how to answer this question. Yeah. What am I? I think we're both introverts. Yeah. Socially, I am, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes a an event like this where we're trying to schmooze with people. We just suck at it, to be honest. Uh-huh. You know, we just—it's uh-huh. not natural to make small uh-huh. talk. When, uh-huh. when I sit down one on one with someone, I'm fine. But yeah. yeah, when you're in a booth and trying to reach out to strangers, uh-huh. that's, that's the scary part. Right, right. My life partner is an introvert, and he is also has a very public job in um, uh, pastoral work. And so I'm like, how does that, like, how do you get in front of these groups to do? He's like, introverts are actually really good at this because we have a job. We have a purpose. Yeah. Well, maybe that's but we're going, Yeah, and, and he says the same thing. You bring me to a cocktail party, and he's like, don't leave me alone. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's like, exactly what you, you get in front of audiences all the time. And he goes, yeah, but that's my job. Like, I know my job. I know my role. Like, make small talk, and he, you know, about comes unglued. Makes him <laughs> makes him nervous. So it sounds yeah, like you guys Yeah, cocktail party, we're like, I'm what? like, Jace. Pretend to have small talk with me so I don't feel so awkward. <laughs> you're, you're both introverts. <laughs> yeah. So it's important that you find that way to recharge yourselves. Like, you, you really need to do it for your, to be quiet in your minds and, to, yeah, and with your bodies to be able to recharge, to do it again and again. I couldn't imagine when I step back to think about it. Yeah. You know, we would have had, quote, unquote, normal jobs and whatever that meant, and a yeah. normal life, and maybe we'd have kids by now, and we don't know if we want to do that at all at this point. We're yeah. not, we're just not sure. But yeah. we, I mean, she said it yesterday after we gave our speech here. You know, I'm just so happy we have this life. You know, yeah. I'm, it's horrible that we have to do this, that we have this story to tell. Yeah. But the fact that we get to do this with like the people, person we love the most in the world. Mm. And get to mm-hmm. travel and meet new people mm-hmm. and eat good food and mm-hmm. have a great work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. If I could trade it, I would trade it. But the fact that I can't, I couldn't be happier with the situation that right. we have. Yeah. yeah. So what's next for you guys? I mean, 1,000 in? Uh, are there are there specific, um, yeah, do you have specific goals? Or you talked about laws and changing and you speak mostly in high schools. Are there different audiences or... Or, or are you letting life unfold as it unfolds? Kind of letting life unfold. Yeah. Um, for me, this problem has seemingly continued to get worse. Our phones are getting smarter, and they can do more things than yeah. ever, and we keep doing all of those things yeah. while we're driving a car. Yeah. I want to see there's a big movement, the Vision Zero movement. I want there to be no more debts because of these choices. Yeah. It's a big dream, but I like to think in my lifetime, maybe I'll get to see it. Yeah. But other than that, let it unfold, right? Yeah, life-wise. I mean, business-wise, yeah. you know, next month, Vermont, State 40, means we got 10 left. So that, okay. you know, it's just, I, I love 
trying to hit those stupid little landmarks. So I have milestones. the same. I have the same thing with this podcast, by yeah. the way. I want all fifty states represented and the territories. Yeah. And I'm not there yet, and so you represent which state? So I can put this on my oh, map. I'm sure you've done New York before. Yes. A documentary filmmaker, yes. Yeah. But okay, so now I have three guests from New York. Okay. <laughs> we would definitely want to do more international work. We've yeah. had such great experiences. I think we've done maybe 10 high schools and a, and a conference in Canada and a couple corporate things in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, and it all went fantastically. And mm-hmm. just, uh, I think there's so much more opportunity for us out there. And, um, and then I want people to stop dying. Yes. You know? Yes. I want to stop having. Yeah. People like her, parents die. People like her injured, yeah. and people like me affected. Yes. And it's just, it, it just, it's so frustrating when I think of how much of it is preventable yes. and how much pain there is in the world. Well, and how many of us know people? I mean, this isn't like, a, oh, gee, I've never talked to somebody this has happened to before. I think it's getting to such an epidemic that we all can not. We don't have to think too hard to think about someone we know. You know, like right now in my little community where I live, um, I know parents who lost their son to the to the same thing, and just were influential in changing the law in my home state of Minnesota, and and so I think we all know someone, and so what's the holdup with taking an action, right? Yeah, when it impacts the ripple effect yeah. is impacting all of us, all of us. Yeah, so we're here at NSC. And you spoke yesterday? Yes. Yeah, so how was is, how is that? How was your message received? We were happy. You know, any event where you, uh, you don't know how many people are going to show up, yeah. that's sort of the biggest thing. You know, we know what we're doing. We're giving, we're giving the speech a yeah. million times. So we're not, it's not like we're nervous for the speech. We're always mm-hmm. just nervous to see how many people show up. But yeah. um, we had well over 100 people. And being at the National Safety Council, you have a pretty good idea. You're going to get people who you're preaching to the choir. Right. These people know a lot of what you're going to say. But that means you got to push that much harder. And this morning we met a man who's 65 years old. He says in 32 years of going to driver safety presentations, we were the first ones to make him cry. Wow. Which is not what I'm going for. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> But he was just saying how impactful mm-hmm. it was for yeah. him, more so than anything yeah. else he's seen, and how such a big inspiration for us yeah. that, all right, we've got something special, and we've got to keep sharing and mm-hmm. keep working on this. Mm-hmm. So many fathers mm-hmm. came up to us, yeah. mm-hmm. both yesterday after the speech and this morning at the booth, mm-hmm. just to say, like, I can't wait to share this with my daughter or my, my granddaughter even. Yeah. Heard of and yeah. that's just, I don't know, it's a huge compliment. Yeah. Makes, uh, you know, not every day for us is... is great right there are days where we're giving 10 speeches in a week and we're exhausted wow um, yeah but then you hear a message like that and it really recharges your batteries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what's the most common question that you get from an audience and what's the most annoying question you get <laughs> from an audience well as she said so we do i think last year we did about 125 events and i would say like 90 to 100 of those are high schools, and then the rest is corporate and some other stuff that we do. Mm-hmm. So we're mostly getting high school questions. Yeah. And they're fantastic. They're just... Yeah, what, like... Yeah. A lot of them want to know more about our personal story. Hmm. They'll want to know how I proposed, you know, oh, fun okay. things like that. Okay. What else you got? I mean, I think the most common one is if I've ever met the young man who was on his phone. Yeah. 
get that one a lot, which I have not. He's mm -hmm. never taken responsibility for having done anything wrong, and mm -hmm. he is dealing with his own mm -hmm. personal ripple effect, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. This impacts him. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah. I, unfortunately, I don't know anything more about what his life is today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Annoying yeah. question. Annoying question. Sometimes we just get like, hey, what's your favorite color? Really? Or That's you know what? We know what we get school. is, uh -huh. you know, the first picture of us in the presentation is from like 2004. It's like when we met basically shortly after we'd started dating. Uh -huh. And I've got this like beautiful head of Long, hair. Beautiful hair. And so. Did you have the flow going on? Yeah, you know, I had the nice wavy, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Like long enough that he could touch it from. Whoa. Well, no, not okay. not in that photo not at least. Yet, but some, but anyway, so some kid will raise his hand and be like, "Hey, what happened to your hair?" And I'll be like, "Screw you, kid! I can't. It's falling out. It's turning gray." Oh my gosh, you guys are still really young. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. What other? Well, okay. So annoying question, but other bizarro questions besides your hair. How did you propose? Favorite color? Every once in a while, we get a question that we've never had before. I wish I could remember the last one. One happened yeah. at a high school at the end of this yeah. school year. Okay. And we were like, we've never gotten that question before. And, yeah. was, and I have no idea what it was. But that's always really exciting because we've now done, I don't know, 800 high schools, whatever it yeah. is, over the years. So to get something new is, is, is exciting. A lot of times like, we'll get asked how tall we are. Okay. In part because um, <laughs> I picked out my wedding dress on Say Yes to the Dress. Okay. And so we have a picture of that in there. Uh -huh. And when you're trying your wedding dress on, they have you stand up on a little platform. Yeah. So it's a picture of me next to Randy and the consultants at this bridal shop. But you can't see the platform. You can't see the platform, and I'm two so feet tall. So you look really tall. <laughs> like, you know, the way they are? ask, yeah, it's like, how tall are you? Is the way they phrase the question. Oh, that sounds um, like fun. You know what? We get a, because we get a lot of the same questions, we've got, I mean, they're kind of canned responses, but yeah. we've got some really solid jokes. And nothing is more gratifying than making a room full of like 17 year olds actually genuinely laugh at something. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I feel so like are you it's hard have to kids do. Someday? I still don't know if I want kids, but I I'm enjoy trying, making 17-year-olds laugh. That's all I'm saying. I'm trying to get you to make your joke. Oh, yeah. Uh, She's no. feeding you. You know, here. because my pelvis was shattered, so I make sure the kids know. Like, mm -hmm. we had this plan. We were going to have kids, and I don't know if physically my body will yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. So yeah. still kind of the jury is out mm -hmm. right now. And mm -hmm. I'll say, like, mm -hmm. so, you know, we don't know we if we want kids or not, but if we do, if it's a natural birth, great. If not, you know, a surrogate adoption, garage sale, whatever. And that gets, it's a guaranteed laugh every single time. And so we've done it every time we're asked. We're, uh -huh. Like, when I hear the start of that question, which is usually, do you have kids? Because we, we don't make it clear in the presentation. Yeah. I get, like, a little excitement in the back of my brain. I'm like, yes, we get to answer this question now. <laughs> That's a peek behind the curtain. It's a public speaker. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Have you had coaching by any public speaking coaches, or has this all been developed on your own? It's all us. Yeah. 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 People will give us advice when they do see us speak. Yeah. Um, which we do you take any of take. it? Yeah, I right. I mean... I'm a little yeah, defensive about that. it, to be honest. Sometimes people are scared to be, like, to give a critique. They don't want to. Yeah. But I always appreciate when someone will tell us what they think could make yeah. it better. Yeah. Yeah, but otherwise we, we just have honed it. Yeah. Just repetition. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, fabulous. Mm. So, um, 
parting words, uh, particularly for people who are listening to the podcast. We're followed by safety professionals from all over the United States. Um, do you have a call to action uh, for safety professionals? You know, particularly these are people who are working with employees, and of course, people who are listening are to be thinking about their kids. Like you're getting so much, um, but it it's more than just about teenagers. So what calls to action do you have for safety professionals? What can we do as a profession to lay our hands on this? I think to me it's what we all already know. There's nothing on a phone more important than a human life. And we all know that. We got to live that. We got to lead by example. We got to hold each other accountable to our actions and speak up when something is wrong and we know it's wrong. I think it's just about making making it personal. Um, you know, states can have laws, countries can have laws, companies can have policies. But if people don't really feel the reason why that's in place, they don't want to follow it. You know, we, we hear from a lot of, like, fleet managers that we have this policy, but our guys are kind of, you know, we're button heads about it. Yeah. But if you can get that room full of people to care to hear a story like jc's maybe shed a tear whatever it is think about their daughters yeah get these people to feel as if this could have happened to them and their families then then you can make an impact then you can actually change the way people drive so um that's just what we focus on Mm -hmm. yeah the power of story yeah 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 thank you both so much for doing this thank you for the work that you're doing in your life's work together it's fabulous appreciate it Oh, and we forgot to say, so if people want to follow you, uh, learn more about these statistics, invite you to speak, where shall they find you? Hangupanddrive.com is our website. I'm the only JC Good out there on social media. I'm pretty sure that's still true. So uh-huh. find me on social media and okay. connect with me. She is easy to find. Steve Johnson? Hard to find. Hard to find. Oh, I mean, a lot of Steve Johnsons in the there's world. There's another one somewhere at this conference. Yeah, that's right. I registered for the conference, you know, when you had to get your badge yeah. earlier. Yeah. And there was a second Steve Johnson. And I was horrified. Imposter. Another reason why it was necessary that you partnered with this woman for the name. Yeah. <laughs> in addition to yeah, everything right. else. I needed some something unique. <laughs> yeah. JC Good, Steve Johnson, thank you so much. Thanks. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you all for spending your time listening today. And more importantly, thank you for the work and contributions that you do, making sure your workers, including your temporary workers, make it home safe every day. If you'd like to join the conversation about this episode or any of our previous episodes, follow our page and join the Accidental Safety Pro community group on Facebook. If you aren't subscribed to the podcast and want to hear past or future episodes, you can subscribe in iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or any podcast player that you'd like. You can also find all of our episodes at vividlearningsystems.com slash podcast. And we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and review us on iTunes. It helps uh, share the story uh, with more and more safety professionals. And you can share any episode with your friends. If you have a suggestion for a guest, including if it's you, you can please uh, go ahead and contact me at social at vividlearningsystems.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.